0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Last time, we kicked off the new year with part one of this mini-series, Knowing Your Why. Today, First Pres Assistant Pastor Steve Page continues focusing our purposes to align with God's.
1: Aloha again, everyone. If you missed it at the beginning, my name is Steve Page, one of the pastors here on staff at First Pres. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pro quarterback in the NFL. Well, as you can see, the NFL gig didn't quite pan out, but I got to be something better, a preacher of the gospel of God. So it is my honor to share the word of God with you today. Now let me begin by reading from the gospel of Mark, chapter one, verses 33 to 39. This is when Jesus is at the, just the beginning of his ministry and he's at the house of his new apostle Peter, also called Simon. And people are beginning to seek out Jesus in a big, big way. And here's what happens. Let's read this together. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole city gathered at the door. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. I love that, hunted for him. And when they found him, they said, Everyone is searching for you. Jesus answered, Let's go on to neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout Galilee, which is that northern part of Palestine, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so as we get started, let me ask a question. Have you ever known that experience of being in the ocean and so enjoying it so thoroughly, you know, and you're having a great time, and when you decide to go back onto the beach, you're like 200 feet away from where you enter the water? And the thing is, you didn't even feel the ever-increasing dislocation, did you? I remember as a kid, this happened to me, I was about five or four or five years old, and it happened at the Jersey Shore. I got out of the water so far from my parents that I couldn't see them in the sea of people who occupied the beach. So I became very fearful, and I didn't have a clue where to go. As I walked along the beach in search of my parents, I stepped into this huge hole that someone dug into the sand. And it was so deep, I couldn't reach to the top to get myself out. So things went from bad to worse, because now, besides being lost, I also felt trapped. It was so traumatizing that I can remember it to this day, 56 years later after the fact. You know, I tell this story for a couple of reasons. One is to highlight how my parents never watched over me. (laughs) No, kidding aside. One is to highlight that life as a Christian can be a lot like swimming in the ocean and getting trapped like in a sandpit. You know, we may start out tuned into Jesus, keeping our bearings in our our vision of God's call in our lives, but due to the bombardment or undertow of umpteen demands and needs and pressures that constantly pull at our souls, or perhaps do the unhealed wounds or the struggles of pain in life or just plain sin, we enter in what I call soul drift. Now, soul drift is that proclivity to imperceptibly drift from the heart and passions and values and purposes of God for our lives. Now, if we let soul drift go on too long, we can end up with a life of chronic stress and soul fatigue and mediocrity and a life of more regrets than we would like to admit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, last week, Pastor Tim kicked off our year by encouraging us to consider what I call our God-forged why. He encouraged us to spend time at the start of this year asking, what really matters in my life? What do I really value? What do I really care about? In what direction am I headed? He then asked, when you and I look back over the last few years, is this the life we really wanted? Well, I want to continue in that very same vein as I, sh- uh, as I share today about the profound importance of knowing and living into, on a consistent basis, our God-forged why. Now, what do I mean by a God-forged why? Well, it is having God's greater transcendent purposes expressed in the distinct and, and unique way in which we live and work and interact with our world. Or to put it another way, it is the purposes and the power and the values and the character of God brought to bear on our everyday world through our particular personalities and gifts and skills and opportunities. Now a few moments ago, I read a passage in the Gospel of Mark that to a pastor like me seems as stunning as it is inspiring. As you saw, people are piling up to meet with Jesus, people with all kinds of diseases and even demons are all jammed up at the house where he's staying. So seeing this great need and this great opportunity, really, his disciples go and hunted him down. You can just picture their wide-eyed faces scouring the landscape looking for Jesus. But notice how Jesus responds to the frantic and excited words of the disciples when they find him and say, everyone is looking for you. In verse 38, Jesus answered, let's go on to neighboring towns so that I can proclaim the message there also. Wait a minute, what Let's move on. What's up with that? In my 36 years of ministry and seminary training, you are never taught to walk away from interested crowds clamoring to hear you. But that, Jesus does exactly that. No hesitation, no compromise, no drift in his soul. Now for the disciples, all the action and demands around them, all the voices calling them dictated their direction and response to the situation. But those very same things had absolutely no effect on Jesus. And the reason Jesus is so calm and clear, so resolute about what to do in such a demanding situation, is because, as he says, he knew his why. Look again at his words in verse 38. Let's go on from here to preach in other towns because that is why I came. And this kind of clarity makes him so free to say no to an incredibly demanding and even good opportunity with no guilt or hesitation or soul drift in his life. You know, in light of that amazing response, I ask you this. Do you have that kind of freedom and clarity in your own heart and soul as the next request for your time comes up? as the next complaint at work comes flying at you, or the next opportunity for a money-making venture arises in your life, or the next opportunity for your kids to get involved with X or Y or Z. What is the cost to our lives, our souls, to our families if we don't? Now, before I get into the more practical things about this issue, let me first offer one reason why it's a big deal to know your God-forged why. Let me share a short video that vividly illustrates this point about import, the importance of knowing your why. It's, it's from a talk given by a Christian comedian named Michael Jr. Maybe you know him. He is talking about living from a deeper place in life. He says, you know, people often wrestle with what they should do in their lives. But he makes the point that uh, in knowing your why is far more important because it impacts greatly the expression of the what's in your life. Check this out and see what I mean.
2: How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The the question that you really should ask is how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie, because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode, it's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at three o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is, is it's me. I travel around the country and I do stand up comedy, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston, Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston, Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part
0: of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that
2: i could see you know what i'm saying all right all right um now once you give me the version is if uh your uncle just got out of jail you got shot in the back when you was a kid i'm just saying let me see the hood version real quick if you know which version i'm talking about just see if that exists let me see what you got
0: uh
2: What I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. Amazing, yeah? You know, what do we all experience differently
1: when that man knows his why? Wouldn't you want the what's of your life to have that kind of why power? As he said, when you know your why, your what has more purpose and more impact. I mean, did you see how that crowd was impacted? So how does this come about? Well, what I'm about to share is by no means an exhaustive list. There is a lot of things that we can talk about that will help us discover and consistently live into God's why for our lives and to avoid soul drift. Like for example, read the Word of God, get into a small group, pray regularly, meet with a mentor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These are all central to our faith journey. So please, please, please don't ignore them. But I want us to spend our time focusing on some things that maybe we don't talk enough about as Christians. And one thing is this: seek to live intentionally. You see, living into your why is not automatic or inevitable. It's intentional. It's not guaranteed simply because we come to church or go to a small group or help with Sunday school. So what do I mean by living intentionally? Well, in part, I mean living your life on purpose, living your life on purpose in order to make the most of our days and to give to God and others the best we can for that day. For example, in Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul writes this, Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will, the purpose, the why of the Lord is. Now, to be sure, living intentionally is hardly the unique passion of Christians. Human history is strewn with folks with the same desire from Aristotle to Viktor Frankl to Simon Sinek of today, it's still a huge topic. And I think, I think its long historical tale might suggest that such a desire is divinely hardwired in, us, Christian or not? Allow me to quote from a non-Christian from the 19th century to show you what I mean. American writer, philosopher, and naturalist, Henry David Thoreau wrote this when he was talking about why he left the city life for a time and went into the woods of Massachusetts. He wrote these words. Listen carefully. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to face only the essential facts of life and to see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life, to live so sturdily as to put to rout all that was not life. Does that resonate with some of you? If it does, ask yourself why it does. What if I put it this way instead of, you know, I went into the woods to live deliberately. I said this, I became a Christian to live intentionally. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life God gave me to put to route all that was not life from him. How does that sound? Something sounds right, doesn't it? Something sounds so biblical and good there. My point is living intentionally helps to put to rout all that is not life and draw in all that is life, which is a very Christian principle. I mean, listen how Paul puts it here in Colossians chapter 3. He says this, So put to death, in other words, be intentional about putting to rout the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Why does he say that? Because they don't die out automatically or inevitably, simply because you go to church. Then Paul adds this, Now is the time to get rid of, to intentionally get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and foul language. Put on, intentionally put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Can you hear Paul's version of living intentionally and putting to rout all that is not life and drawing in all that is life? In other words, becoming like Jesus? See, reality is we are constantly tempted and faced with things that are not life. And if we're not intentional about putting on our new nature in Christ, we will end up in soul drift. Guarantee it. Moreover, if we don't live intentionally, we end up living like a pinball, bounced from one so-called important thing to the next, all the while feeling hurried and joyless because we feel like our life is not our own feeling like life and circumstances are making up their own purposes and plans and values for us to live by. As you saw in our passage, the disciples had purposes and plans for Jesus to live by, but that created absolutely no drift because Jesus clearly knew his why. Look, part of my point is this the world will not make it conducive for you to live your Christian values and commitments. It will always demand more of you, and that demand can easily cause drift. For example, this is just one example. According to several studies, we are way overworked. Nearly 40% of full-time workers work at least 50 hours or more a week. 25% of salaried workers work a grueling 60 hours per week. And it's not just folk like you, by the way. of pastors work more than 50 hours a week. More than half of us work 60 hours a week or more. And this is part of the reason why over 70% of pastors regularly consider leaving the ministry. And why 77% of pastors feel that they do not have a good marriage. Are you hearing some soul drift happening even among pastors? Look, let's be real. It's tough not to fall into soul drift when we work like that, when life demands that much from us. One Australian nurse, uh, Bonnie Ware, who works with the dying, recorded and summarized the top five regrets of the dying. And one big one was this. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. She said, this came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Brothers and sisters, the push and pull of life will not ever go away. The world will never become a different kind of world to suit your desire for a more meaningful, purposeful, and balanced life in Christ. And when we work like that, we work that much while trying to value family, while trying to value being in a small group, or discipleship, or becoming more like Jesus, et cetera, and we are not absolutely clear and committed to god's why work will win so we need to become a different kind of people in this kind of world people who live intentionally and deliberately for the kingdom of god now that's the first thing a second thing that might help us live into god forged why is this being clear about your personal god forged values what do i mean by values Oh, values are the motives that support and drive purposeful action. Values focus on the how you want to be as you move through the moments of your life, as you live out your why. In other words, you know, your values reflect your priorities and your top commitments in life. In a way, and I like to say this, they're the things that you want said about you at your funeral. Moreover, they are crucial in helping us know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Without guilt or drift, just like Jesus did in the face of all that pressure that came from the people that came to see him. Look, if you haven't found out already, tough stuff will come your way all the time loss of job, a sudden sickness, a demanding boss, strict deadlines, a world halting virus, etc. And when the stuff hits the fan, it will be our particular God-forged values that will act like anchors to ground us in the turbulence of life. And they will act like rudders to guide us through the muddle and the mess of all the pressures to live this way and that. Now, I want to make this very clear. Some of the muddle and the mess is not only caused by things that are bad or sinful. Sometimes drift is caused by good things, even valuable things but they're just not the right things to value for that time and situation. Let me share an experience where I violated one of my values as I lived for a good thing when it wasn't God's right thing for that time and situation. First of all, you should know, over the years, I keep a one-page document of my personal uh, God-forged values. And I review it often. Here it is. Uh, Because as it says, I have this because it, it provides an anchor and a rudder for my busy life. Now, the first value on this document says this, prioritizing family, seeing my relationship with my wife and children as my greatest calling and richest community where I help them flourish in their lives. Sounds great, right? But over the years, this value has been deeply challenged even by good things. Many years ago, when I returned home from being a missionary, my denomination had me speaking all over the mainland, which of course kept me away from home for weeks at a time. Now, preaching the gospel all over may sound great, but being gone for such long stretches was really tough on my wife and my two kids. When my wife expressed her displeasure at this arrangement, I told her, look, I can't help it, it's my job, every missionary does this. After all, I'm doing it for the lost, I'm doing it for God's kingdom, blah, blah, blah. On the surface, it looked right, sounded godly, and was even somewhat impactful. But other subterranean issues were all at work as well. And here's the thing, they were undermining my God-forged values because as I was doing all that good stuff, I was deeply hurting my family. You know, writer Richard Rohr speaks to this kind of thing when he wrote this. It takes a long time to discover the task within the task. That is, what we are really doing when we are doing what we're doing. Did you catch that? There is often more to our doings than simply what we are doing. There are often subterranean forces at play in our souls, and it is to our peril to be ignorant of them. So what was my task within the task? What was I really doing when I was doing what I was doing, like speaking at all those churches? Well, when I really did some honest reflecting, I saw that I was acting out of fearful spaces in my soul. I was acting out of the fear of looking like a slacker, the fear of disappointing others. I was acting in ways to validate my worth by how much I worked. Anyone know what I'm talking about? The point is, I drifted from my highest God-given values of being a husband and dad because I was not looking hard at the real why of my actions. I was not being honest about my task within the task. By the way, as an addendum here, eventually I did tell my head office to cancel all those speaking engagements. uh, And I can tell you that they were not thrilled, but you know what? Nobody died. Okay. But the point is, I had to learn a hard lesson in those days about living into what God has called me personally to value over other valuable things. Living into your God-forged why is difficult to do when we violate our values. We really have to understand it. Now, that being said, can I share with you how I've grown in this area? And let me be honest, this may upset some of you folks. Look, as much as I love you guys and I love serving at First Pres, sometimes I'm saying no to you because I have said yes to my family or simply because I've said yes to developing my own relationship with God. For example, a few weeks back, our church helped out in a big way with the distribution of food for the food bank. Now, look, this is a crucial service to our community. There's so many families struggling in Hawaii, and I'm so proud that our church is playing a part in meeting this tremendous need. But you know what? I didn't show up that that day to help. Now, before you call for my resignation, let me explain. Basically, it was because I was very clear on my God-forged why for that day. You see, it was on a Friday, and that's my day off. And I had just worked one of those 50 to 55-hour weeks. I had meetings four evenings in a row, so I didn't have any dinner with my family that week. And my mind and soul felt depleted. So what should I do in light of such an important and good event as feeding people? I mean, my gosh, it doesn't get better than that. Well, because I felt a bit torn, I literally spent time praying to God, God, what is your purpose for me today? Well, in the end, instead of helping out at the food bank, I took a long hike to have silence, solitude, and prayer. And you know what? I felt absolutely free in the process, free to live by my God-forged values and free from the voices of guilt or obligation or trying to look good to other people. You see, when we honor our God-forged values on a regular and consistent basis, then life really has a good chance of being fulfilling and not frenetic or draining or devoid of meaning. So let me encourage you to do this sometime this month. Really set out some time to write out what you think are your highest God-given values to live by in this season of your life. And spend time looking at your life with a strenuous honesty about the task within the task. What are you doing when you're doing what you're doing? Okay, one last thing about knowing and living into your why. Take risks. You know, the knowledge and impact of God's purposes for your life will get clearer and expand as we step out of our comfort zones and take more risks. Sometimes it is out there in the risky places where we actually find our why. Now, I know for some risk is a four-letter word because the notion of risk is always accompanied by an element of fear. It has been said that fear not, is the most often repeated directive in the entire Bible. In fact, 366 verses say it. And, it's, it's, and, it's, and that fear not language is given even to the greatest of saints, by the way. But why, this is, why is this repeated so often? Why not something else like love others, forgive others, serve others, something like that? Well, perhaps because fear is the greatest reason we are tempted to avoid doing what God is calling us to do. Fear not only causes us not to risk, but it makes us spectators instead of players in God's kingdom work. You know, if we think that there's gonna come a day when we're gonna be rid of fear and then we'll take a risk for God, we are deluding ourselves and we will be forever waiting to step up. As writer John Ortberg put it, the choice to follow Jesus is the choice for for the constant recurrence of fear. Fear will never go away. Why? Because each time I want to grow, it will involve going into new territory, taking new challenges. And each time I do that, I will experience fear again. Fear and growth go together. My brothers and sisters, fear will always be at our door, whispering to our souls, lurking in the shadows of every effort we make for God's kingdom and it is likely fear will never leave us completely. But that's okay, because courage is not fearlessness. As one American writer put put it, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than one's fear. Look, I am convinced that knowing your why will give you that something else more important than your fear. You know, I must admit, There have been many times in my life where I have acted with cowardice. In fact, to this day, I cringe with shame how I have backed off from challenges that that tested my my Christian commitments. Like the time I visited an aging neighbor back in Jersey, but I felt it too awkward, Read too fearful to share the gospel with him. And as it turned out, he died a week later. Trust me, I felt terrible. But when I think of those times where I did take risks to live out my God-forged why, I am just as stunned at how God blessed it. For example, like when I quit my job as the executive director of the Bible Institute of Hawaii to start a new church. The day I gave my notice, I had no money to do it. I had no backing from my denomination. I had nothing but a deep sense of God's purpose for me in that season. And you know what? I was scared to death. After all, I was a father of two kids, and my wife was only working part-time. What was I smoking? What was I thinking, right? Well, as much as all that was true in the moment, it was also a moment where I recognized something more important than my fears. In the end, our small little Bible study also took the risk with us, and we planted a, a church where we helped so many people find healing and hope and transformation through Jesus Christ. Point is, the scary risk of one person turned it to transform lives for so many others. Look, you can be sure of this. Whatever God's purposes are for your life, one of them won't be, always play it safe. As Gary Haugen, the president and founder of International Justice Mission says, you and I have a choice to make. Do we wanna be brave or do we wanna be safe? Because I'm not sure we can have it both ways at the same time. In light of that, let me ask this. What do you think would help you discern or live deeper into your God-forged why? Being safe or being brave? Brothers and sisters, if the purpose of life was to be more safe than brave, then there's a whole host of people in the Bible that missed that memo. Reality is, the world cannot experience all the love that God intends, all the healing that God intends, all the justice that God intends, all the salvation God intends, if we Christians always play it safe. As famed writer uh, Madeline L'Engle so wisely put it, we have to be braver than we think we can be, because God is constantly calling us to be more than we are. May God make you braver than what you think you can be in 2021 so that you can live to the full in his why for you. Now, there's so much more to say about this issue, but we're going to have to leave it there. So my question is simply this. What is God saying to you? Are you in that season where a sense of purpose and direction in your life is really hard to discern? Or maybe you see it, but you need a little courage to live into it. Or maybe you're simply in that season where you feel like your life is not your own, that you feel like a human pinball bouncing from thing to thing because the demands and the needs never stop coming. Well, I wanna pray for you today. And for those of you who need a fresh start with God, I wanna invite you to commit your life to Him in a few minutes. I will pray a simple prayer that you can just repeat along with me. So now let's all of us take a moment and pray to the Lord. And allow God to speak to our hearts. Just just close your eyes for a minute. Settle your hearts and take a deep breath. What is God saying to you? Lord, we know you have given every human being a God-forged purpose, a life of infinite value and meaning. And we are so grateful for this, grateful for the fact that regardless of our age or economic status or educational background or whatever, you still have a purpose for us in your great kingdom work. And we know that if we forget it or fall flat on our face and trying to live it out, your love remains and still burns bright. For us, But Lord, we do want to live fully for you in every aspect of our lives. So give us discernment and the courage to live intentionally and to live fully into your purpose for our lives. Lord, we thank you for the honor it is to be a part of your work of healing and transformation of this world. And for those of you who want to give your life now fully to Jesus to find your ultimate why in him, Just follow me in this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I confess the hopelessness of my life without you. Forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Thank you for your endless love for me. And as best as I know how, I commit my life to you. Come and fill me with your spirit today. In your gracious and loving name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Now, for those who prayed for the first time to give your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to hit the raised hand button in the chat area. When you click on that, a prayer team member or a pastoral staff member will get connected with you right now in a private chat window. Now, we want to celebrate with you, and we also want to pray with you to affirm this important decision that you've made. We have more information to give you, which will help you in your new walk with Christ. So just hit that button. Now, before I give the blessing today, let me just say thanks again to all of you for joining us today. We are so glad you worshiped with us. And again, if you've given your life to Jesus, I want you to hit that raised hand button on your screen. And if if any of you want prayer before you leave our service, just hit that prayer button. And someone is more than happy to pray with you. And remember, if you want to extend the discussion about what we've sung about and prayed about and learned about today, then join a connect group right after the service. Just hit that link in the chat area and you'll be taken right into that forum. And now look, if you're new to our community, this is a great way to meet other people. Amen? All right. Well, now receive this blessing. May the God who gives us life and love, hope and purpose fill you with a clear sense of his why for you and may he give you the persistent courage and soulful certainty to live fully and joyfully in it. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever, amen. Thank you for joining us today and we will see you next time,
0: aloha. Start today by finding your God forged why. Live with purpose, lean into your why, and take risks in the name of Jesus. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org, and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times. Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 for First Pres, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your emails for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First president I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you. Happy New Year, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.